Christmas, that what we've been saying is Christmas, it's more than just a single day that we're going to celebrate on Saturday, right? Of like, Jesus was born, yay, done, over. But it's a, a season of even leading up to Christmas Day where we recognize our own longing and expectation for Jesus, those who, who came before us, right? Those who, before Jesus was born, they looked ahead to promises where there would be a child who would be born, a son born of a virgin in Bethlehem who would be the Savior of the world, God with us, Emmanuel. And, and they, they awaited that day, but it wasn't yet. And so they, with longing and expectation, looked ahead, to when those promises would be fulfilled. So when we celebrate Christmas morning, we're not just celebrating the birth of Christ, we're celebrating the faithfulness of God to His promises. How the longing and expectation that preceded us was fulfilled in His birth. And then we recognize in ourselves, because in the birth of Christ, He grew, became a man, perfect in every way, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and 40 days later ascended into heaven and said the same way that He ascended, He will return. And when He returns, it will bring an end to the presence of sin. It will be a new heaven and a new earth where every tear will be wiped away. And so today, there is a longing in expectation for promises that are still to come. But because we recognize the longing and expectation that came before us, there's a great hope we have today, knowing that God is faithful. And so that's where we began this series two weeks ago, in in hope. That hope isn't just wishful thinking. It's not just the eternal optimist that everything's going to work out. It says, when all circumstances point to the contrary, I'm placing my hope that is secure in the person, the character, the faithfulness of God. That's where I'm placing my hope. Not just in the circumstances, but into the one who has spoken. And then last week, as we looked at at the word peace, what Christ brings, this child that was promised, a son who would be born Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This shalom, that peace isn't just the absence of war and of conflict. Peace is the presence within the complexities of life, a wholeness, a completeness that can only be found in Christ. So today, we're looking at the word faith. It's one of those words that that if you've grown up in church, you've grown up with, right? But if you had to give it a definition this morning, the definition of faith is this, and you had to explain that to somebody, what would you say? How would you define it? A word that we kind of get the essence of, but we don't exactly always know how to articulate. And we live in a culture in many ways. That when it comes to faith, when it comes to things, we actually prefer it to be somewhat vague. We live in a culture that would prefer spirituality without any religious obligation. There's a quest for something more than we are in ourselves. And faith at times in our culture can be lost to what is the biblical meaning of faith? What are we called to this season? And I want us to feel that and understand it well this morning. So let's pray and then dive in. Lord, I thank you. 
I thank you for this time that we have this morning to remember your faithfulness, Lord. Your faithfulness to your promises in the past, and Lord, our secure hope today in the promises that we hold on to that are yet to be fulfilled. Lord, I pray that in the midst of all the, the activity of the season, Lord, in this moment, would you slow down our thoughts and our emotions and what's coming up in the coming week to be present here in the moment to hear in your word what it means to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus' name, amen. Here's why I said that statement. There's a quest for spirituality in our culture. Spirituality in one place was defined as seeking meaning or connection to something bigger than ourselves, something which can result in us feeling peace or hope or meaning in all in life. But the reality is this. In our culture, if you look at recent studies, there is a growing statement that I'm spiritual but not religious. In, in fact, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of political party affiliation, that number has increased by 50% in the last two to three years. There's this growing side of, I want to be spiritual. Like the Enlightenment said, hey, God is dead. Mankind, you have all the answers in yourself. Just give yourself to knowledge, to education, to work together, and everything will be fine. Don't confine yourselves to the prison of religion. Like people, we can be the solution. But the problem is, as we realize in the brokenness of the world, people themselves are broken. People aren't the solution. People are part of the problem. And there's a disillusionment. And so there's this desire for a spirituality without a divine God who has authority over our life. And so it just seeks to do in whatever that looks like. Let me just follow what I want at my whims, to believe there's a God but live however I want. Is that all faith is? Because our culture would want to reduce biblical faith to that. We're spiritual, not religious. But then what does it mean to be religious? Religion uh, across that seeks comfort in our own goodness, performing certain religious duties and to appease a higher power and receive blessing. This is the essence of what religion is. You think about it in its most primitive form in animism, the, the worship of the spirits in, in trees, in the sun, and in nature, Right? Do good, offer your sacrifices, perform your ceremonies, and, and do good, and those spirits will bless you. Do bad, and those spirits will curse you. It gives people a sense of control. If I do these things, maybe I can bring order into the chaos. And let's be honest, many Christians function like animists. We treat God like one of the spirits, and if I appease him, he'll be nice to me, and if I do bad, he's going to curse me. And they live their Christian life no different than an animist. Religion looks to yourself to be the solution. Think of a Muslim. How is a Muslim saved? The five pillars of Islam. To, to pray the, the, the prayer three times 
for salvation, to pray five times a day, to give to the poor, to fast, to make the hajj, the, the, the pilgrimage to, to Mecca. And then maybe, maybe in the end, when the scales are laid out in paradise, if your good deeds outweigh your bad, maybe God will let you in. It's all based on what you do. Hinduism is no different. There's three ways that they say that you can be saved by uh, the way of works, the way of knowledge, the way of devotion. Do these things and you will enter. Religion is a set of rules to follow, to bring a sense of control and peace. And so my question is this, is that Christianity? Is this faith? Is it just one more religion in a list with its own unique set of religious duties and ceremonies to appease God and bring comfort to our lives. There's something in us that should say, no, it's something different. Spiritualism and religion are two sides of the same coin that looks to yourself to bring comfort to the chaos. But faith is something different, but then what do we call it? Is it just a blind, desperate hope that maybe all of this stuff will just somehow work out? How do we define faith? I, I feel like it's one of these words that we can use in church. But do we understand what we're actually saying and inviting people into and what it means? And so I want to start with this question, what is faith? But to do that, I want to start with an illustration. But to do this illustration, I am going to need a volunteer who is willing to come up front. Oh yeah, Johnny was quick. Yes, come on. Perfect. Oh yeah, and you even got up on stage. That makes it easy. So I have a gift for you. But quick question. Yeah. Your hands are empty. Yeah, they're empty, yeah. Nothing for me? Uh, I can give you a hug. <laughs> okay, okay, here you go. I'll still take the hug. <laughs> no, 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 go ahead and open it. Okay. There's more. Okay. It's not that easy. All right. Guess I'll be a kid open. Right. Oh, another one. Oh, so here's the thing. I, I, I did this. So there's another one because okay. I'm telling you, it's a good gift. Right. I'm not gonna like. I'm not trying to embarrass you in front of everybody. Do you trust me I trust to open you. this? I okay. Shiny. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell them what it is? Yeah. Uh, the Amazon gift card. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. Oh, really? Yeah, wow, that's wow. it. That's it. I was not generous with somebody else's money. I paid for this out of my own pocket for this. And I want you to kind of understand what this means. This is an illustration I want to refer back to on what faith is. Think about 
what you heard read earlier today, and you'll see it up on the screen, from Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. The author of Hebrews gives us a definition of faith. Now, faith is, it is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation by faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. It's made out of things that were invisible. It was made out of the Word of God. The assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things seen. Here's the the reality. When it comes to faith, what, what does this mean? How do we even think about it? In the illustration that was said, at the beginning of time, before the earth was formed, before the earth was filled, God spoke, and the earth came into being. Were you there? No. None of us were present at the foundation of the world. God said that He created everything in heaven and on earth. God spoke, and it came into being. And by faith, we believe that what God says is true. That's faith. In the same way that I would say those who believe in the Big Bang Theory, that is a faith-based system. It's not out of this sense of, oh, I can prove this. I was there. You weren't there. The scientific method can't reproduce it. It's a faith-based system. By faith, you're taking into account whether you're leaning on your own understanding, whether you're looking to somebody else, or whether you're saying, I'm believing what God has to say. It takes faith because you don't know what's inside that box. Do I trust them? And that's when it says, faith is the assurance and conviction. It says the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That it's not a blind leap in the dark. It's not wishful thinking that some imaginary side is going to come true. It's this has been said, do I believe it? Like in the illustration, I asked Johnny, like, do you trust me? Do you trust when I say that, that this is a good gift? It's not an embarrassing gift. It's not a gift to shame you. Do you trust me to open up what's inside? There's a part of a question that may linger there, but faith is then the exercise of opening that gift saying, I trust you. In opening it, it's trust in the one who has spoken. One commentary said that biblical faith is the confident trust in the eternal God. Think about that. Faith, it's not just into this, yes, I believe that everything will work out in the end. It's no, I believe God. I believe God and what He has said because He is all-powerful. He is infinitely wise. He is eternally trustworthy. I don't understand everything. I can't see everything. I don't have everything figured out. But God, I know who He is and I'm going to cling to Him. This is faith. It's not faith in the gift that is being received. It is faith in the One who gives the gift. It's saying, I know you. I trust you, and so I'll receive what you have for me. So what did this look like before Jesus? 
This is where I want us to see, because if you keep reading in Hebrews 11, I want us to see a pattern here that helps us understand today something. Think of Abraham. Right out in Ur, and God said to him, I'm going to make you into a nation. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars are into the sky. I'm going to you and your descendants, and you will be a blessing to all people. Go to a land that I'll show you. God spoke. But then Abraham had a choice to make, right? He had his homeland. He had his, his, his heritage. He had his culture there. This is what he knows. Can't God just bless him here? It's this moment of crisis, but then he empties his hands of his homeland, of everything he knows, and he takes hold of these promises, a place that God said he would lead him, but he had no idea where it was. Promises that were spoken that for years would be left unfulfilled. And yet with empty hands, he would hold on to the promises of God, trusting God more than he could trust the things that he could see with his own eyes. And it was counted to him as faith. Same with Noah. Right? God spoke and he said, rain, water is going to fall from the sky. It's going to come up from the earth and it's going to flood the whole world. This had never happened before. It hadn't happened in Noah's generation. It hadn't happened in any generation before that. Everything that Noah knew about the natural world was contrary to what God said. And it's this crisis of belief in this moment. Am I going to believe what God says, or am I going to believe my own understanding? Am I going to believe what I've seen with my own eyes, what my experiences have been? Do I care more about my reputation or about what God says is true? And so Noah, like Abraham with empty hands, laid down his pride, laid down his own understanding, laid down his reputation as people mocked him, as he walked by faith, trusting in what God said to build a boat on dry land. This was called faith. This is the pattern we see of what faith is. And I want us to kind of slow that down to think about it this Christmas season. What it means for us to place our faith in Jesus Christ. God has spoken. He says that, that He is the, the Son of God. He said that He came to, to pay the penalty for our sins. When he cried out on the cross, it is finished. He paid the penalty for our sins. That he is the only way to the Father. There is no other way. The question is, it leads us to a crisis of belief. Do I believe my own understanding? Do I believe what I've seen with my own eyes, my, my, my own experiences, my own wants? Who or what am I going to believe? We all feel this need for, for rescue in life. We all feel this need that, that something is broken in our world and we want someone or something to rescue us. And then God says this, and the question is, do, do I actually believe that? But faith is this. 
It is emptying our hands of what we were trusting. What we think we understand, what we think we see. See, if Johnny came up to me and he was carrying everything he owned in his hands and he's like, look at all of this. Is this enough? Part of what faith is, is coming before God, laying everything before him. And this means everything. When you look in the mirror and you retell your own story and in the shame in the brokenness, the, the mistakes, the condemnation that says, I'm not good enough. Why would God ever accept me? Why would He give me anything good? It is taking all of that shame, all of that brokenness that we carry like a burden on our back, and it is laying it at the foot of the cross. This is repentance. The emptying of our hands before a holy God. But I would also say it's more than that. It's not just laying down our shame and our brokenness. But what about all your good works? What about all your tithes and your offerings and all the the good things you've done? What about all your ceremonies and sacrifices? But haven't I done these things, God? Doesn't this make it worth you giving me something good in exchange? And repentance is laying that as well at the foot of the cross. In coming before God then with empty hands. Faith is this. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not the result of works so that no one may boast. Here's my concern. Sometimes it's like, I've heard that before. I know that verse. I've memorized that verse. What does it mean? Slow it down. Ask What what does it even mean to be saved? For by grace you have been saved. Saved from what? It's just words that we can just say out loud and call ourselves spiritual, but have we slowed down to think saved from what? You have been saved. Like, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, let this set on your heart with joy that you have been saved from the brokenness of sin to the wholeness that can only be found in the peace of God. You have been saved from despair and condemnation to hope and to peace. You have been saved from the consequence of your sin, which is death before a holy God. And you have been given life and life eternal. This is what you have been saved from. You have been saved from separation from God. And instead of being separated from God, you've been adopted into His family. You have been saved. You have been saved from the bondage and slavery of sin. And you have been saved to the freedom of the grace of the living God. You have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith.
that salvation is a gift. You don't come to God with hands full of your righteous works. You don't deserve it, for by grace you have been saved, and this salvation is a gift. You didn't do anything for it. But let me ask you this question to think just a little bit deeper. Are you saved by grace or are you saved by faith? Think about it for a moment. Are you saved by grace or are you saved by faith? Here's why I'm asking that question. Think about the illustration from earlier. What caused the gift to be inside that box? Did Johnny's opening that gift, did his trust in me saying that that was a good gift, did that make that gift appear? No. It had nothing to do with Johnny. I paid for that out of my own pocket. From our own personal budget, I bought that. His belief in me did not pay for that gift. I did. Our salvation, though a free gift, was not free. Jesus paid for it. The gift of salvation was paid through the suffering and death of Jesus Christ. He paid for it. For by grace you have been saved. His grace in his sufferings, through the lashes on his back by his wounds you are healed. The nails that pierced his hands, the nails that pierced his feet, and more than the physical sufferings as we've talked about through the Gospel of John. It was God being perfect the wrath, the anger, the punishment for your sin, for my sin was placed on Jesus and the full wrath of God was poured out so that when Jesus cried out, it is finished. He said he drank in full the cup of God's wrath in your place. For by grace you have been saved. Jesus paid for the gift of our salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So then what is faith? It's standing before God with empty hands. And saying, I trust you. In who you say you are. In what you say you've done. See, spirituality and religion are two sides of the same coin. And I don't want us to get faith, biblical faith, confused with either of them. Because it's completely different. Completely and utterly different. And too often it gets confused. And too often we say, but is my faith enough? Do I have enough of it? Is my faith good enough? It's not our faith that saves us. It's not the amount of our faith. It's the object of our faith. He's the one who saves us. He's the one who paid for it. 
And so we stand before a holy God with empty hands to receive what he alone could purchase on our behalf. So how do we respond? I've been thinking about this because Christmas is coming up. It's Saturday. And when I think about how to respond, I just want to put this image and this verse in your mind this Christmas season. It's a time when friends and families and coworkers will be exchanging gifts. And I want you in that exchange to remember Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. That when kids come beneath the Christmas tree, they're not bringing all their toys with them, holding them. They're going to reach out to take hold of what you have purchased. There's a joy. Have you ever seen like when it's like, I got you the perfect gift. I know you're going to love it. And there's joy in the giver and there's joy in the receiver. And I've heard this, like even with my own family, like there's certain gifts, like I found just the perfect thing. This is the image I see with God towards us. I got you what you could not purchase on your own. The gift of eternal life, salvation. The question is, this Christmas season, do we receive it? Or do we say, yeah, but, but look what I got you. Look, look what I have, Jesus. Look at all my goodness. Look at all my shame. Whatever your propensity is, my encouragement is this. Lay it down at the feet of Christ. Take hold of the gift of salvation that he has purchased in his body. And rejoice. Tell people. Say, look at what he got me that no one else could. Let it lead our hearts to gratitude and joy this Christmas season. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy, Lord. The realization that Lord, we haven't earned it. We haven't deserved it. It is a gift that was purchased with your blood. And so, Lord, for those who have a propensity to only see their shame and condemnation as they look in the mirror and come and draw near to you, Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength to lay at your feet all of their wrongs, all of their mistakes, all of that condemnation, and to stand before you with empty hands, trusting in the goodness, in the infinite mercy of Jesus. Lord, for, for those of us here who, who are more likely to look at our good deeds, look at our church attendance, look at our offerings, look at our good behavior and bring those to you as if somehow that makes us deserve anything in return, Lord, would you help us to lay at your feet our own good works? So that together, Lord, neither of us can boast. 
but we can together celebrate your mercy, your goodness. And in Jesus' name, amen.